What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. This week, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to wow you with another epic tale from the wars. Uh, We are going to be talking about a true war hero, a man that some of you may know a little bit about, may have heard about, certainly may have seen the film. I think there's been a film, a book, there's been songs written about this man and believe it or not guys he's not british we've gone with a non-british war hero for once so hopefully you'll uh, appreciate that uh, someone a little bit different someone a bit out there so for those of you who have seen the title and ruined it already we are talking about alvin york so alvin c york or alvin callum york uh, was born on the 13th of December 1887 and he was one of the US Army's most notable heroes during World War One. That's right guys, we are talking about an American war hero and wow, holy crap what a hero you have here. Uh, York received the Medal of Honor for his actions on October the 8th 1918 uh, during the Argonne Offensive, uh, one of the most famous battles in the First World War. Uh, In the course of the attack, he led a small group and captured more than 130 German prisoners single-handedly. He eliminated German machine guns and their crews, and after the war, his life was brought to the big screen by Gary Cooper in the award-winning film Sergeant York. In his early life, Alvin Callum York was... uh, born to Mary and William York of Pall Mall, Tennessee. I don't know where Pall Mall is, but it does say rural Tennessee, uh, so I'm going to go with probably a bit of a countryside bumpkin here. He was the third of 11 children. Uh, York grew up in a small two-room cabin. Two-room, I can't believe that. I mean, can you imagine, what's that, 13 people living in two rooms? That's just mental. Um, And he received very minimal schooling as a child. Um, 
due to a need to aid his father in running the family farm for hunting and food. Though his formal education was lacking, he learned to be a crack shot and an adept woodsman. In the wake of his father's death in 1911, York, as the eldest still living in the area, was forced to aid his mother in raising his younger siblings. And this was to support the family again. And he began working in railroad construction as a logger uh, in Tennessee. He was a hard worker and York showed a devotion to promoting the welfare of his family. During this period, York became a heavy drinker and was frequently involved in bar fights and that's probably why he became a good soldier um, despite pleas from his mother to improve his behavior york persisted drinking um, and this continued until 1914 uh, when his friend everett delk was beaten to death in a in a brawl uh, near static in kentucky now this affected york quite badly um, and he attended a revival meeting led by H.H. H. Russell, um, during which he concluded that he needed to change his ways um, or pretty much risk being beaten to death in a pub. Um, it basically kicked him into altering his behavior, and he actually became a member of the Church of Christ uh, in the Christian Union. Um, a strict fundamentalist sect, the church forbade violence and preached a strict moral code that forbade drinking, dancing and many other forms of popular culture. An active member of the congregation, York met his future wife, Gracie Williams, through the church while also teaching Sunday school and singing in the choir. Now, it's funny how this church being that strict forbade things like dancing but allowed singing. I find that a bit strange. Um, but the United States entered the war, or the First World War, in April 1917, and York came concerned that he would be required to serve. Um, these worries became a reality. He received his draft notice, um, and consulting with his pastor, he was advised to seek a conscientious objector status. On June the 5th, York registered for the draft, uh, as required by law, but wrote on his draft card, I don't want to fight. When his case was reviewed by local and state draft officials, his request was denied as his church was not recognised in the Christian sect. In addition, during this period, conscientious objectors were still drafted and typically assigned non-combat roles. In November, York was drafted into the U.S. Army and through conscientious objector status, um, uh, he was still sent to basic training. Now, 30 years old, York was assigned to Company G in the 328th Infantry Regiment, 82nd Infantry Division and posted to Camp Gordon in Georgia. Uh, arriving, they found out he was a damn good shot, but he was seen as a bit of an oddity because he didn't want to fight. Uh, during this time, he had extensive conversations with his company commander, Captain Edward Danforth, and his battalion commander, Major G. Edward Buxton. Um, and this was relating to the biblical justification for the war, because he was a devout Christian, and he cited uh, many biblical sources to um, basically make his point, and these were pretty much... Back, batted back by his major, Major Buxton, um, 
he used sources from the Bible to counter this, um, challenging York's pacifist stance. Um, the two officers were able to convince the reluctant soldier that the war could be justified. So York sort of grew more to agreeing to the war and realizing that he actually should be fighting for the good, the good of the Christian cause. Uh, following a 10-day leave to visit home, York returned with a firm belief that God wanted him to fight. Now, he travelled to Boston. York's unit set sail for Le Havre in France in May 1918. So, we are coming towards the end of the war, um, but that's uh, an American tradition to get involved late into wars. Um, and he arrived later that month after stopping in Britain. Um, reaching the continent, York's division spent time along the Somme as well as at Toul, Langy, and Marbac. And my French pronunciations are atrocious, so <laughs> I apologise for that. Uh, they underwent a variety of training to prepare them for combat operations on the Western Front. And he was promoted to corporal. York took part in the St. Mihiel Offensive that September as the 82nd sought to protect the US Army's right flank. With a successful conclusion of fighting in that sector, the 82nd shifted northward to take part in the Argonne Offensive. Um, entering the fighting on October the 7th to relieve units of the 28th Infantry Division, York's unit received orders that night to advance the next morning to take Hill 223 and press on the uh, Decouville Railroad um, north of Kearney. Uh, advancing around 6am in the morning, the Americans succeeded in taking the hill. Moving forward to the hill, York's unit was forced to attack uh, through a triangular valley and quickly came under German machine gun fire on several sides adjacent to the hill. They were pretty much pinned in. This stalled the attack as the Americans began to take very heavy casualties. Um, in an effort to eliminate the machine guns, 17 men led by Sergeant Bernard Early, including York, were ordered to work around into the German rear taking advantage of the brush and the hilly nature of the terrain. These troops succeeded in slipping behind the German lines and advanced up one of the hills opposite the American advance. In doing so, they overran and captured a German headquarters area and secured a large number of prisoners, including a major. While Ely's men began securing their prisoners, the German machine gunners up the slope turned several of their guns and opened fire on the Americans. Um, this killed six and wounded three, including Early. Uh, this left York in command of the remaining seven men. With his men behind, covering, guarding, cover, covering and guarding the prisoners, York moved to deal with the machine guns. Now, bearing in mind... This is the middle of a war. They're outnumbered. He's in the middle of nowhere in a country he doesn't know. And he's advancing on machine gunners on his own. Um, beginning in a prone position, he utilised the shooting skills he had honed as a boy, picking off the German gunners one by one. 
York was able to move a standing po- to a standing position as he evaded enemy fire. During the course of the fight, six German soldiers emerged from their trenches and charged at York with bayonets pointing. Um, he was running low on rifle ammunition and he drew his pistol. Dropped all six men before they got near him. Switching back to his rifle, he returned to sniping at the German machine gunners, believing he had killed around 20 Germans and not wishing to kill more than necessary, he began for he began calling them and telling them to surrender. Now, bearing in mind this was one man calling for the surrender of a, multiple troops, you would think they'd go nah sod off we we can take this man on our own um but he was actually aided in his call for surrender by the major of the german army uh, who'd also been captured at this point um who was basically saying no i think we kind of need to to give up this guy is an extremely good shot and uh, he also helped in calling for the surrender rounding up the prisoners in the immediate area york had managed to capture 100 German soldiers on his own. Um, York began moving the men back towards the American lines and in this process he managed to capture another 30. Advancing through artillery fire, York and the surviving men of his battalion delivered 132 German prisoners to his battalion headquarters. Um, This done, he and his men rejoined their unit and fought down the rest of the railroad. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In the course of the fight, 28 Germans were killed, 20 of them by York, and 35 machine guns were captured. Basically all by York as well. Uh, York's actions clearing the machine guns reinvigorated the 328th's assault and the regiment advanced to secure the position on the railroad. For his achievements, York was promoted to sergeant and afterward the distinct and awarded afterwards the Distinguished Service Cross. Uh, remaining with his unit until the final weeks of the war, uh, his decoration was upgraded to the Medal of Honor which he received on the 18th of April, 1919. It was presented to York by an American Expeditionary Forces Commander, General John Pershing, Um, and in addition to the Medal of Honor, York received the French Croix de Gras um, and Legion of Honor, as well as the Italian Croc... Oh, God, my Italian's no good. Croc de Merito de Guerra, which I'm assuming is their version of the Medal of Honor. Um, when given his French decorations uh, by Marshal Ferdinand Foch, uh, the Supreme Allied Commander commented, What you did was the greatest thing ever accomplished by any soldier by any of the armies of Europe. Arriving back in the United States in late May, York was hailed as a hero and was honoured with a ticker tape parade in New York City. 
And I think that's probably an understatement as well. When you think of, when you look at the war from the American standpoint, a lot of Americans didn't want to get involved in the First World War, and rightly so. And I think when their call came to fight, a lot of Americans were a bit annoyed by this and didn't want to get involved. So the government had to really look for these American heroes and push them to the forefront to pretty much cement into the American population that this war was a good thing and that America came out of it in in a good way rather than the fact that they sent their men halfway across the world to die in muddy trenches to fight a battle for people who don't even speak the same language um, which was what a lot of Americans thought you know this battle the the first world war was fought in France and Belgium you know you're talking languages that the Americans aren't used to it's it's a completely uh, alien world to them and and when this story managed to get back about him the americans took it and ran with it it was it was massive um he was wooed by filmmakers and advertisers and york was eager to return home to tennessee he actually wasn't that bothered about doing films or you know doing adverts and things like that but um in the end it you know money problems and things like that he ended up doing them um but when he moved back to tennessee he married the love of his life gracie williams in the june and over the next several years they had 10 children uh this must be a thing in america in uh well i think it was all over the world at that point but in the 1900s people were seem to not know a thing about contraception um but only eight of his 10 children actually um survived infancy again infant mortality rate was was very high in that period um he was a celebrity york took part in several speakings tours and eagerly sought to improve educational opportunities for children in his area um, and this culminated with the opening of the Alvin C. York Agricultural Institute uh, in 1926, which was taken over by the state of Tennessee in 1937. Uh, though York possessed some political ambitions, these were largely proved fruitless. Um, and in 1941, York relented and allowed a film about his life to be made. Now, again, 1941, America just got involved in yet again another war that they didn't want to be involved in i mean i know after pearl harbor they were kind of forced into the war um but they were forced in to the european war as well in 1941 which they didn't really want to be part of um and again by hollywood and america propaganda being able to push the alvin york story in 1941 possibly allowed a lot of americans at this time to go do you know what we're going to get involved in in the second world war um as the conflict increased in europe and the intensity uh, got more um, what had first been planned as a movie about his work to educate children in tennessee became an overt statement for his intervention in world war ii um, this starred Gary Cooper, one of the most famous actors at the time, um, and he would actually win his only Academy Award for his portrayal of Sergeant York. Um, I have never actually seen the film, but I think it might be something I might try and find. I don't know who, uh, I don't know where I'd get it, probably Amazon or something like that. But if anyone has seen the film Sergeant York, let me know if it is if it is as good um, 
as as it seems. But if it's not, I think it might be one that they need to remake at Hollywood because with today's special effects and things like that, I think it would be a cracking film. Um, he actually opposed Alvin York actually opposed the U.S. entry into World War Two. Prior to Pearl Harbor, um, and York worked to found the Tennessee State Guard in 1941. Uh, he served as a colonel of the Seventh Regiment and became a spokesperson for the Fight for Freedom Committee. Um, this was the counter to Charles Lindbergh's Isolationist American First Committee. Um, with the beginning of the war, he attempted to re-enlist, but was turned away due to his age and his weight. Uh, unable to serve in combat, he insisted to play a role in the war bond and inspection tours. In the years after the war, York was played, plagued with financial problems and was left incapacitated by a stroke in 1954. He died on the 2nd of September 1964 after suffering a cerebral hemorrhage. So that is the story of Alvin York. Um, and I think the quote uh, from the French general saying this was basically the greatest thing we've ever seen from any soldier ever um, kind of sums it up. When you talk about war heroes and we talk about some of the acts of bravery that people have done, um, you know, what Alvin York actually managed to do single-handedly through machine gun fire against an entire battalion of soldiers is unspeakable and you kind of realize how important just something like that something as simple like that can be for an entire entire war i mean the allies went on to win the battle of argonne and you know all right is it because of that possibly not um but did other soldiers in these battalions that were fighting at the Argonne listen to the story of Alvin York, listen to the one man who single-handedly brought in 132 prisoners and sh killed six men who were charging at him with bayonets with a pistol because he was that good of a shot? Stuff like that does invigorate soldiers and does make for you know a heroic story. And I think when you look at the the story of him and and how he came about he came from nothing he was essentially just a, a farmhand who was living off the land merely just to survive um to keep his family alive um he wasn't rich he wasn't didn't come from a a, a you know a good good stock or a good background um he's just your average tennessee country boy and he went out there and came back an absolute hero and I, I believe he is possibly one of the only soldiers ever to win the highest award for military combat in from three different countries um i'm not sure but from the top of my head i can't think of anyone else um who's actually managed to do that so um if someone's going to be googling this now while you're listening and going oh no there is someone else who's done it but I think he's got to be up there with some of the greatest war heroes ever. And he's not spoken about. You know, this is a guy who is kind of lost to history. And um, this was one I, I was requested to do um, because I had a message from uh, a fan who said, you know, I'm a big 
Sabaton fan, which is uh, for those of you who have listened to a couple of my episodes, I have done a couple of episodes uh, from Sabaton songs. Um, and he was like, "Have you ever have you heard of Alvin York?" And I'm like, "I've heard of the song, um, but you know that's it." And I I looked into it and just wow, blew me away. What a a fantastic story. So I hope you guys have uh, enjoyed that. I know it's a, a short episode, but these ones tend to be. Uh, a little bit shorter with uh, with them being um, like single person, really. So let me know what you thought. Uh, are you are you pleased that I've done a, a non-British war hero for once, uh, shaking things up a little bit? I'm uh, going to have a look. If, if any of you guys know any other war heroes from other countries that you want to hear, um, so if anyone's got any from Australia, try not to give me French ones because, uh, as you've probably learnt my... Uh, French accent or trying to pronounce French words as not very good so we'll try and avoid ones where I can't pronounce the words unless you want a real laugh and and do things like that um Canadians we've got any Canadian war heroes uh trying to think of other countries that I could probably pronounce uh pronounce the words um I would say that's probably about it to be honest any any country that speaks English you know you could probably do a South African one as well um but yeah um if anyone knows any then feel free to to send them across we do always try and do these requests when we get them um they might take a few weeks sometimes i think this one was requested about two months ago so it's one that's uh been sat there waiting to be done um but let me know um and you can always get in touch through facebook uh most of you are on that facebook group uh facebook uh forward slash this week in history you can always email me. I do reply to them uh, when I get a chance. It's twihpod at gmail.com. And failing that, if you are on Patreon, uh, I do try and get back to uh, every message I get on Patreon. Um, we we do sort of spend a little bit more time on there if, if people want to have a chat. Um, Patreon does seem to be the way forwards. Um, for those of you who aren't on Patreon, why aren't you on Patreon? You've been listening to me for uh, many years now. Um, you should be on Patreon. It's $5 a month and you get access to all these shows early. You don't have to listen to those annoying adverts and you will be very, very interested to know that in today is the 4th of May in exactly, hang on, exactly 10 days, I shall be uh, in Auschwitz in Poland. Um so there will be uh, photos, videos, uh, little things going up onto Patreon from this uh, from this trip. Um, so yeah, for those of you who want to to learn a little bit more about Auschwitz, or those of you who haven't been um, and want to watch a few videos of that, then get yourselves over to Patreon, and you know you'll see those in a few weeks. So thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we shall see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.